the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He was separated to the law like he later became separated to the gospel, set apart for the gospel of Christ. He was one of the strictest adherents to the law of Moses. He was a persecutor of Christians, a killer of Christians, a persecutor of the church. And as a Jew, in his mind, he was doing everything right that should be expected of a faithful Jew, particularly of a Pharisee, according according to Old Testament prescription. And then that was forever changed, as Paul writes, when he met Jesus. Jesus turned his world upside down. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Dragon will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past you've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. On behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, we want to take this moment to wish you a very happy new year. What a blessing it is for us that you've chosen to spend time with us on the program today. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. If you were to write a letter to a new group of friends, how would you introduce yourself? Well, on today's edition of Grace to Live, we will take a look at the spiritual health of the Apostle Paul and see three key steps that will help us with our own spiritual fitness. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith begins a brand new series from the Book of Romans, a series that he has entitled, Understanding the Faith. So as we kick off this new year and this new series in Romans, I am super delighted to have Pastor Keith with us here in studio today to tell us a little bit about this new series from Romans. So Pastor Keith, welcome. Happy to have you here with us today. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be here. I'm so excited as we begin our third year on the air. We've got two years under our belt. Looking forward to a great third broadcast season, you might say. And as we begin this new season, we're beginning a study on the book of Romans. Why Romans? Because Romans is the most important letter ever written. If you understand the book of Romans, you understand the Bible. Romans clearly and succinctly summarizes everything that the Bible says from Old Testament to New Testament. It tells us about our faith, about our salvation. It tells us about spiritual growth. It tells us about the Holy Spirit. Romans tells us about Israel's future. Israel does have a future 
contrary to popular mythology, and that Israel does have a future. And we are just excited to begin this series. And speaking about excited, I do want to take a moment to invite our listening audience to join us on a trip to Israel. Hillside Church is going to Israel April 30th to May 9th. And if you'd like to come with us, we'd love to have you. There are still space available. You can go to hillside.org. There should be a banner there on the website. You can sign up for the Israel trip there. We're going to be having some informational meetings as well. We'd love for you to join us. So join us for our series on Romans. And if you'd like to, join us in church on Sunday. I talk to many of you, and some of you feel disconnected from your church. Maybe you feel a little too anonymous. Maybe it's just too big for you. Well, we'd love to have you here. We want you to stay and minister in your Bible teaching church. But if you're not able to apply your gifts, if you're not able to serve, we'd love to welcome you here as well. So join us for the series on Romans. Join us for our trip to Israel. And if you don't have a church home, Join us here at Hillside Church at 545 Hillsdale Avenue, right here in San Jose. Back to you, Kevin. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 1, as we begin our study in Romans with a message Pastor Keith has entitled, Portrait of a Man of Faith. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you for this day, this day to begin our study of the book of Romans. Lord, help us to understand our faith so that we can live our lives in light of the grace and the blessings that are ours and in light of the mission that you have called us to, taking forth the message of Christ. I pray for each and every one of us here. I pray for myself that we would be found faithful, faithful stewards of your word, of your gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Transform us with it, grow us with it, strengthen us with us, Stretch us with it, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you'll want to turn your Bibles to Romans. We're beginning a series called Understanding the Faith. Today we're going to try to introduce the book of Romans to you, introduce Paul to you, and preach the message. And it's important that we understand our faith because today, often the Christian faith is an anemic-looking faith in many churches. There's a lot of confusion about the faith and it's, and it's a tragedy because sometimes that confusion lends itself to making shipwreck of our lives. I've been reading two books lately. One is a satire called uh, you know, Becoming a Perfect Christian. I think we have a picture of it here on the slides. A nice picture there. It's a satire, but what it sort of documents is kind of all that's wrong today with the Christian faith in terms of our understanding of it, our misconceptions of it, that we think, you know, It's all about us and not about God. And then there's another, a more serious book, which has to do with emotionally healthy spirituality. And it's written by a former prosperity preacher who thought that he had to be perfect, that thought that his marriage and his ministry and his life had to be perfect. And what that does is that destroys a man. And so he crashed and burned, and he wrote this book sort of as his dealing with it. And while he got a great deal right, just like Jordan Peterson and his 12 rules for life, he got a number of things wrong. And that's why, one of the reasons why we're studying the book of Romans, because I want you to have a lot right. I want you to have your understanding of your faith mostly, if not humanly speaking, as perfectly right as you can, so that you can enjoy the life that God has called you to, the mission that he's called you to, so that you can understand 
who he is and how he is and what the faith is all about in terms of your service of him and others and making sense of your existence. And so we begin this undertaking of the book of Romans. Now, this is an intimidating task for me because Romans is no small matter. It is Paul's magnum opus, his greatest work. It is a a challenge for pastors because it is the greatest letter ever written throughout all of history. One commentator described Romans as a breathtaking book, and he's right, because when you read it, the glory and majesty and grace of God does take your breath away. Romans helps us to make sense of our faith, helps us to understand it. It answers all the difficult questions. I'll just sort of skip a stone across the surface of a few of the questions that Romans answers. What is the gospel? Romans answers that. Who is Jesus? Is Jesus really God? Was Jesus always God? What is a saint? Is a saint some kind of super Christian? What is God like? How can God send people to hell? Can a person who's never heard about Jesus be held responsible and be sent to hell? Why do people reject Christ? Isn't it true they just don't know any better? What's the biggest sin a man or a woman can commit? Why is there murder, crime, and hate, and sexual perversion in our world, and why does it seem to be on the increase? Are Jews more responsible to believe the gospel than Gentiles? What is the importance of Christ's death on the cross? Why did he have to die on the cross? What is grace and why is it important? For whom did Christ die? And why is it so hard to live a Christian life after we are saved? And I I will tell you that Romans covers a whole lot more than that. But like I said, I just wanted to touch on these things. We can only begin to address that. More about the book of Romans. In terms of helping you understand the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and how they intersect and how they relate. Romans quotes the Old Testament more than any other New Testament book, including Hebrews. Fifty-seven times it quotes the Old Testament. The most common word in the book of Romans is the word God. It's used 153 times. The word law is used 72 times. The word Christ is used 65 times. The word sin is used 48 times. The word Lord is used 43 times. And the word faith is used 40 times. But who's counting? One commentator remarked that the letter to the Romans is a book that repeatedly changes the world by changing lives. Let me give you a few examples of lives changed. During the summer of the 4th century AD, a North African man named Aurelius Augustine, or some people would say Augustine, professor of rhetoric at what would become the University of Milan, embraced Christianity after reading Romans 13, 14. He'd been wrestling with the idea of surrendering to Christ, and when he read this, he surrendered. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And the rest, they say, is history, because we know him as Augustine of Hippo, uh, St. Augustine in some circles. In November of 1515, a would-be lawyer and then professor of sacred theology at the Catholic University of Wittenberg became a Christian after reading Romans and teaching the book to his students. And by his reading Romans, he would later break with the Roman Catholic Church and single-handedly practically start the Reformation, and the gospel would be recovered as we know the gospel today. 
Luther described, that's Martin Luther, Luther described Romans as the chief part of the New Testament and the perfect gospel. Another attorney, John Calvin, would find Christ in similar matter, and he writes of Romans, If a man understands it, he has a sure road open to him to the understanding of the whole of Scripture. John Wesley, who had spent some years as an Anglican priest in the 18th century, embraced Christ as his Lord and Savior after being in ministry for years. He attended a a Bible study by Moravian Brethren, and they were reading Romans. And he wrote of the encounter with the book of Romans and the encounter with the gospel. I myself felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ and Christ alone for my salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Like I said, if you understand Romans, you will understand the whole of your faith. You will understand the whole Bible. It's that simple. Romans shows us the road to peace with God. Romans shows us the way of salvation before and after conversion. How to be saved and how to live saved. Someone said, once said of Romans, at its heart, is, it's a letter about the gospel written by a man whose life and work revolved around the gospel, showing the difference brought and worked by the gospel in the lives of men. Paul wrote Romans around 56 AD. He wrote it from Corinth or in that neighborhood. He wrote it to a church of predominantly Gentile Christians, numbers of churches in the city of Rome. It is a doctrinal book. And he wrote to a church that was doctrinally sound. He wrote to a group of believers that was doctrinally sound. They weren't like the Galatians and they weren't like the unruly church at Corinth. But what he did is he wrote to them to give them, to strengthen their understanding. They had not received apostolic teaching. At this point, he was unknown to them. They had heard of them, but they had not met him. And so he writes to them. And as he wrote to them, Romans 1 through 11 was doctrinal, was doctrinal was all the principles of the Christian faith. And Romans 12 through 16 is how to put it into action. That's why it it in some ways resembles the uh, book of Ephesians, which is split in half that way. So enough said for now on that. Let's get into Romans. Let's take a look at the Apostle Paul, who is the man of faith. We want to look at him and in Romans 1, 1 through 15, develop a portrait of the man of faith. Because this is a portrait which we should should resemble in some sense and in some way. So what I want to do is read the passage for you and then we'll get into three perspectives on a man of faith or a person of faith in this portrait of the Apostle Paul. Romans 1, 1 through 15. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness. You could translate that the Holy Spirit. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, 
that without ceasing I, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to strengthen you, and that they, we might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation to both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. It's interesting the way he describes himself, first as a servant, as an apostle, and then as someone called to the gospel ministry. And it's interesting when you read through this, he, he pretty well lays out the gospel, who Jesus is, that he's the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises, that he's the Son of God, God the Son, that yes, he's descended from the line of David, yes, he is the Jewish Messiah, but he's also the Savior of the world because he rose from the dead. And then he refers to him as God. He says, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's a reference to his deity. And then he talks about what he's about. He says that I wanted to see you all, but I haven't been able to come. But I want to come there to bless you and you have you bless me as we encourage each other in our faith. And then he really talks about what it's all about. It's about taking, in his case, the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, today from this 15-verse portrait of a man of faith, I want us to develop three perspectives for a healthy emotionally, spiritually healthy Christianity, a functional, balanced Christianity, so that we can understand how we, too, here and now, here in Northern California, in Santa Clara County, in San Jose, should minister. So let's get started. Three perspectives from this portrait of a man of God. And the first perspective is the portrait of the man himself, this man of faith, what, who he is, where he came from, and what he's become. Because really, to one extent or another, it's a portrait of you and me, or it should be. And we find it, at least the first hint of it, in Romans 1.1. Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Understand that how Paul sees himself helps us to understand how we should see ourselves. Paul. Who was Paul? Most of what we learn from Paul today, we learn from the, Luke in the book of Acts, but we also obtain some autobiographical information from some of the Pauline epistles. But who was Paul? According to Philippians, Paul described himself as a model Jew, circumcised on the eighth day in accordance with the law of Moses. He was from the royal tribe of Benjamin, where Israel's first king, Saul, who had the same name, came from. He was a Pharisee. That means he was a separated one. He was separated to the law like he later became separated to the gospel set apart for the gospel of Christ. He was one of the strictest adherents to the law of Moses. He was a persecutor of Christians, a killer of Christians, a persecutor of the church. And as a Jew, in his mind, he was doing everything right that should be expected of a faithful Jew, particularly of a Pharisee, according, according to Old Testament prescription. And then that was forever changed, as Paul writes, when he met Jesus. Jesus turned his world upside down. Who was Paul? He was a servant, first and foremost, so are we. He was an apostle, capital A. Well, we are messengers, small a. And he was set apart for the gospel of God. He was drafted. Everything you read about in there isn't him seeking the office. Jesus came seeking him. The office came after him. He was called to be an apostle. He was set apart for the gospel of God. 
It reminds us that there are no accidents in God's economy. There's no randomness in this universe. We are not here by accident. We just didn't all come together through chance. God, as he raised Paul up for such a time as that, has raised all of us up as men and women of faith for such a time as this. That's what we learn about Paul. That's what we learn about us. Let's talk about Paul as an apostle. A lot of times people try to drive a wedge between Paul and Jesus. You hear people say, well, I'm a red-letter Christian. Well, if you're going to say that, remember that all the red letters start in Genesis and they end in Revelation and everything in between is a red letter, okay? But what we see here, what does Paul say about himself? If we look in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14, we have Paul describing himself as an apostle, describing his message, describing his mission. He says this, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. It's not human invention. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it by men, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently trying to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of the fathers, of my fathers. We have as a, sort of a before and after picture. Before Christ, you know, he, he was a legalistic, practically jihadi maniac out to destroy the church. And after Christ, everything changed. Set apart for the gospel of God. Christ changed everything in Paul's life. The way he should, salvation should, change things in our lives is it brings about an obedience. We are saved by faith, but that saving faith is never alone. It produces in us a love for God and a transformation. This traumatic change of life startled people because Paul had been a persecutor of the church, and now he wasn't. Of his old life, we read in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, we read about his participation in the murder of the first Christian martyr. This is the murder of Stephen. It says, they cast him, Stephen, out of the city and stoned him. That is a grisly, painful death. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's Paul. Now, there's some confusion about Saul, Paul, and all that sort of thing. Saul was the name he used when he dealt with Jewish people, and Paul was the name he used when he dealt with Greeks or Romans. Paul wasn't his conversion name. It was just the way he changed the use of his name depending on who he was with. At the feet of a young man named Saul. And, they were st- and as they were stoning Stephen, Stephen... He called out, Stephen cries out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after he'd said this, he fell asleep. He died. And what does it say? And Saul approved of his execution. That's who we're dealing with here. If we go on to uh, Acts chapter 9, further in, uh, verses uh, 1 through 5, we read this. But Saul, this is later on after the murder of Stephen, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, going to Syria, so that if he found any belonging to the way, any Christians there, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Here's the encounter with Christ that changed everything, that changed him from the inside out, that changed the course of his life. Paul, a servant of Christ, set apart 
for the gospel, called to be an apostle. Jesus came looking for him. God raised this man of faith up for a particular reason based on God's eternal purposes. He took this man uniquely equipped, uniquely prepared, uniquely trained in all the traditions and the laws of Judaism, who knew his Bible inside and out, and he set him on a different course. You know, the same can be said for you and I. I don't know about you, but when I was uh, living my life without God, I wasn't saying, Holy Spirit, come and convict me of my sin. Come and change my heart. No, I was on my own Damascus road, just like Paul, just like you. So that's sort of a brief biography of the man of faith, what he was like here. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org and also at jono at hillside.org. That's J-O-N-O at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you And thanks for listening.